All right, we are been in a series this January, and it's a, a thought I would love to continue. But it's a new year, but it's exactly the same God. It's a new year, but it's the same God. That is a, a comforting thought, especially if you're a believer, because uh, in, in my history, that is now 41 years of following Jesus, that it... God has never changed. God never moves. God never changes. Uh, if, if there's any break in the covenant relationship, it's always me. I'm the one that gets off base or the one that has, has strayed or the, the, the one who's, who's forgotten or lonely or, or messed up. And, and here we are in a new year. And I'm hopeful to encourage you that even though it's a new year, it's 23 that we serve the same God. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 13.8 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As we started this year, um, the first message I shared with you was um, just reminding you of the, uh, the opportunity to pray, the opportunity to listen to the Holy Spirit, to be provoked in our spirit like the Apostle Paul and be able to respond to that. And I, so often, when we, when we become aware of a need, uh, my bad habit, and maybe yours, has been we respond to people and say, well, we'll pray about that. Well, there's no reason we can't take the next step and say, can, can I pray with you about that right now? And that's been my challenge, and I've had opportunity to even practice it this week. I, I was with another individual, and, and we were parting ways. And he'd reminded me of the, a prayer request. And I stopped myself. And I said, you know what? Would you mind if we prayed right now? And he said, yeah, that'd be great. And so we did. And it was a serious request. But it reminded me to break some bad habits and start some new really good ones to, to see what God can do intervening in those circumstances. And, it, and once we do that and take the next step, then we're more likely to to continue in prayer about that because we want to see what God will do. A God who loves this person. A God who wants to intervene in circumstances. A God who does miracles and has not changed. I want to pray and see what can be done. We saw that happen on ESPN a few weeks ago. I saw just yesterday the guys up and around looked like he was surely gone on the football field, but back... Uh, miracle, and it's gotten the attention of the entire world. Uh, everybody, uh, I was seeing comments yesterday about, wow, this, um, and the ESPN analyst that, that interrupted, put his job on the line and said, let's pray, and he led a prayer. And just trying to encourage you to do that, to take bold next steps in this year of prayer. I shared with you last week about Mephibosheth. He is dropped when he's five years old. His father and grandfather uh, are killed in battle. And to no fault of his own, he is dropped. I share with you my own story. I was dropped when I was five. And thinking that perhaps many of you, something happened in your life. Something happened that you it was no fault of your own. Uh, circumstances, cards dealt. Uh, you fi- found yourself hurt and hurting because of something that happened in your life. Now, there are those things that happen because we do something, and there are natural consequences because we don't walk with God and we choose other than His ways and His purpose. But many times there's things that happen and they're beyond our control. And I shared that because I'm afraid that sometimes we feel unqualified because of something we've experienced. That we don't feel good enough, that we feel... Will never measure up. And, and I reminded you from that story that there's an invitation from the king to come dine at his table. Where there's, a, a, there's grace to cover. In, in this case, it was lame feet. And he sat at the king's table. And I wanted you to know that the king still gives the invitation. And that you can find yourself qualified because not of your own good deal, or your own good works, but because of the righteousness that is ours through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's where we land this morning. We land here and 
And I need to talk to you about a subject that, that, that I, I hope is helpful. I hope is, uh, brings you hope today um, and clarity today. And I hope that it will bring you to a place where you examine the activities of your life in light of what we've shared about prayer and feeling unqualified. But you're here today. And what would God speak into your life? I want to talk to you about discipleship. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And that's about the end of what Matthew records. And and it's a very familiar passage. If you're a follower of Jesus, you understand His command. You understand the Great Commission. And yet there's a lot written about it. There's a lot of advice. There's a lot of consultation. There's a lot of ideas and opportunities and experiences. And so what I'll share with you today is what I have experienced in 41 years of following Jesus, of looking to the Word and finding the Word applied to my life, adjusting my thoughts and my behavior to the Word, not, not trying to make my own deal or, or go with the hottest, latest trend or, or anything like that. I want to give you this morning as we begin in Scripture what the early church looks like in Acts chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, this is Peter, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, day of Pentecost. Next verse. Okay, I'm sorry I didn't see it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to my, to my Bible here. You guys follow along. Verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Early church here, and they this, this is what life looks like uh, after, in, in, in light of a great commission to go and make disciples. This is post, uh, well, beginning with the day of Pentecost and a, a great outpouring in the Spirit of God, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and that there were, 3,000 souls added on this one day. I looked into what, you know, wondered what, what, what was the population of Jerusalem at that time. And there are a lot of different historical um, opinions uh, or takes on what the population was because I wondered, well, 3,000 added, that's a lot, but, but in comparison to the population. And so um, I, looking at the Jewish historian Josephus, and also looking at Roman uh, tax records and, and what I have come up with in and, and my reading and looking is probably about 100,000 at least in Jerusalem. So about 3% of the population responding on this day in, in an early church birth. But 3% of the population, that means there's still a lot of people who heard a lot of people who knew what was going on, and yet they're not ready to receive. They're not ready to participate. Um, but, but, but still, great impact, great start, great launch. I see this, and, I, and you have to believe in, in light of, and in being so close to Jesus, giving the Great Commission, and then leaving and promising the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit coming that what we read here in this passage would be what it would be looking like for them to make disciples. There's a lot of community happening. There's a lot of 
conversations taking place. There's a very seriousness about the teachings that, that we have and how we can apply that to our life. There's breaking of bread. It's fellowship. It's, it's likely communion. It, they're seeing signs and wonders among them. Uh, this is what it looks like in the early church. And, and, and still in an atmosphere where there was great Roman oppression, there was persecution, there was opportunity to, to, to even die for faith, and, and, and that's what's going on. That's in, in a persecuted uh, realm. And as the early church continues, you'll see very quickly uh, false teachings. In addition to persecution, there's false teachings to lead people astray. You'll see also that there's temptation. There are people that in their humanity and, and in spite of uh, so much to be excited about, but still going astray, still falling into sin. And so at least three factors there. And, and you could look at today and think, well, goodness, we don't have to look very far and there are some false teachings. And we don't have to look very far and we could find temptation. Anyone tempted this week about any area of your life? There's a reality of an enemy that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy and wreck your life. And then there's persecution. There's, but are we persecuted? Not here. Perhaps sometimes ridiculed or made fun of or, or many times a, the church comes off in a bad light or, or a leader looks bad or there's some craziness that happens in the body of Christ, but not in this area that I know of, persecution. But in spite of all that, there's disciples being made. And the Lord is adding to the church daily those that are being saved. When I see this activity, and, I, and I'm, see, I didn't grow up in church, so my first approach is just taking Scripture and learning from it. And then being discipled by others. But you just take scripture and you read and you pray and allow the Holy Spirit without, without any other influences. I, I'm going to read this and think, well, this is, this is what it looks like then to make some disciples. It looks like a natural rhythm of life. Last week, I'm, I mean, I'm doing, I, I'm doing Welcome to Access. I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited to see new people. And, and helping people to connect. And no sooner had I given my spill and said, amen, there's someone in my face to say, uh, here's what's happening, there's a broken nose. And so here I am trying to operate in, 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 in supernatural and in spiritual realm, but there's a natural factor here that, you know, I haven't even eaten my taco yet, guys. And, and so off I went to the doctor's office with my plate of tacos. I'm in the back seat uh, with wet wipes trying to help her clean up, but I'm also eating my taco, I'm telling you. Uh, tacos were not to go to waste. I didn't realize, though, that Paula had not eaten either. And I ate all the tacos. But what I'm trying to say is, see, that's my week. That's how we started last Sunday. I spent the afternoon in wonderful Dr. Vivian's office, and she was super kind and sweet. I, re I recommend her. And then there was, uh, we go from that, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll get home and I'll take a nap. Nap never came. I get up the next day, and I've got meetings and appointments and conversations and, and, uh, it, and more doctor's appointments and things to do with the kids and opportunity the previous week to go fly with Jason. I really wanted to do that. I, I want to get certified. I want to, I want to do those kind of things. Uh, I, I want to improve my tennis game. Yay. Working on it a little bit. That's, that's life in a real world. And along the way, along the way, being about activities that foster an atmosphere of making disciples, being intentional. And so last Tuesday evening, I met at the Arasso house, and we had a wonderful meal together, and we, and we talked and encouraged one another, and we prayed together, and, and we broke bread together, and we planned for what will probably look like Grupo Grande 3.0. Yeah. I'm excited. 
especially if you live in San Lucas. I mean, they listed a whole bunch of people they knew that maybe could come and, and do that, and that perhaps this would get people excited again about gathering in, in home-type groups. Because I want to be honest with you, we were, we were rocking pretty good before COVID happened. And then, and then that happened, and then everything went online, and, and we kind of got into some bad habits again of, of, of surrendering to traffic and, and not being around other people and getting very much alone. Am I close? Okay? Because I'm still ta- having conversations even this week. Uh, Pastor, I feel so alone. Well, you don't leave the house. Um, you, you're not getting vitamin D and you're not walking and you're... You're, you're trapped at home. You've isolated yourself. It's time to break free from that habit and, and let's, let's interact with other people again because we need other people. Let me give you, let me give you a beautiful slide by uh, Pete Scazzaro. I'm going to borrow his slide. Do we have the funnels? Okay. He shared this funnel, and I've seen this maybe before, but I, I like his funnel. But when, if you're from Access Day 1, well, let me start on the other one. Let me start on the right-hand side. Looking at Jesus, it's got a number three there, because Jesus, he had three. Three very close. Peter, James, and John, personal friends. They saw the... He, they saw and participated in his highlight reel. If he had an ESPN top 10, I mean, he, they were there uh, for incredible miracles. They were also there with him in the garden. They saw him at his, his most difficult hour. They were, that, that's, that's what close friends do. And can I tell you for a minute, see, close friends are not your Facebook friends or your Instagram, or your TikTok, or whatever social media. See, those, that's not real life, people. That's not real friends. Those are, that's a platform, and that's influence, but those aren't your friends. If those are your three closest friends, we have a problem. And see, Jesus poured into three, and he poured into 12, and then there was a crowd around him, and then, and then there was... Lots of witnesses, you know, that, but this is the early church. And see, out of that goes and it impacts the whole world. And so there's much to be said for that. And we look at access, like a year ago, um, Amy and, some, and, and other ladies, you, you took on trying to implement more of this at access. And I would call this, if this was math, we would call it multiplication. This is what you would want to happen to your money. To just be multiplied. And, and, and this is the same thing that has worked with the Great Commission. At Access, there's more going on on that side of the realm than any church I've ever been a part of or pastored. And yet it's very slow go. When we first launched the training a year ago, uh, I had tacos again. I love tacos. But I'll tell you, we, we, we served about 60-some taco meals that first week. And we served another meal. And then as we start to pull back the food, I think attendance also dropped, Amy. It's a harsh truth. And then we end up with a little, a little tiny group that walk all the way through it and go all the way through the training. And, and they end up with these. And I've been, I carry this because... It's really, someone asked me, what, what does that look like to do? Well, you're reading the Bible, and then there's some accountability. We're going to talk about how was your week, where did you struggle, where did you have a tough time this week, and then, there's, then we're going to pray. We're going to pray for people who do not know Jesus, and we're going to pray for each other and pray for our life. I want you to know, see, that this is something, this is a ministry that anybody walking with Jesus that's in this room could launch. It's, it's, it, you, don't have to have, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anybody. We're here to help you, support you, equip you. I'll give you one of these. But it's that simple. If you have the time, if you'll make the time, 
then we'll give you the tools, and it's just that simple. That means, though, you're not having to prepare a one-hour lesson because you're not, you're not going to teach a lesson and transfer information to someone else. It's not that. It is you're walking through life together. And, and it's just that simple. Word, talk, pray. It's, it's like that. It, and, it, but that's what has been an incredible impact on the world. And I thank you guys, those of you who participated, those of you who are grinding it out, because um, t- my good friend and our CRI board member, Tom Plank, when he was here, and he trained and, and has shared on this platform multiple times. But even Tom's best example of, this, of a funnel like this is a church in Indiana that he's working with and they gather on Sundays just like this, but they have a leader who's working behind the scenes and they're developing uh, disciples who make disciples on this side. And, and so it's going on in the same format. It's just like we're reading about for me in Acts 2 here is that there are groups of all sizes from the very smallest because, see, this could be one-on-one. You don't have to have even two or three. You can, but it could be one. What's, who is the Lord placed in your life? Because it's a really about relationship. See, if you don't know anybody and your three best friends are on Facebook, then it's a problem. It's a problem. We were meant, guys, to be in person and to, and to be eyeball to eyeball and touching one another. Goodness. I met somebody this week and they wouldn't even touch me. I'm a hugger. It was rough. What, what is wrong with this world? I need people, I need people to be okay with my hug. Thank you. I, you're always, okay. But I feel rejected when you don't want to touch me, and, and I, I don't like it. Okay. The other funnel, guys, <clears throat> the other funnel, uh, well, I, I probably... Uh, this is what happened in my life. I, if I had one more line, I would, in, I would put invite. Because I was in, invited, and from invitation, I heard the gospel, and I began to attend, and I connected, and I served, and I went out, and I did some of this as well. And so a lot of people call this addition. These are disciple-making activities, but it's addition. This is disciple-making activities, but it's multiplication. But they're both math. And they're all disciple-making activities. And I benefit from some of this. This is why, like last week, the men's group, we watched The Heart of Man. I needed, I needed that. Uh, Tuesday night with the Rosso House, um, I needed that. I'm, I'm invited lunch today with Jay and Kathy. I need it. I'm, I'll tell you in advance. I need it. I'm looking forward to it. Because we were designed to be in relationship and connect with other people. That's it. And this this doesn't work very well uh, because I've had this approach too. I had people, I I was thinking back when I was younger and I was uh, an early teen. And there were people who used to go around our neighborhood on Saturdays. They were from the local Baptist church. And they, they they were good people. I didn't know them personally. But they would knock on doors, and they would, they would share the gospel at the door, and then they would, they would commit to picking you up for church the next day. And so, like our little crew of boys, we would, we would kind of play hide-and-seek with those guys and, and, and even push doorbells, and people knew they were coming before they came, and it was bad. And... And I'm guilty today by association, what I'm about to tell you, because I, I didn't lead this operation, but I was present. And I, so I'm, I, I'm there too. But we had a friend, and, and he wasn't participating with us that day, and we knew he was home, and he was home alone. And so we kind of turned him in to the, those guys. We, we filled out the card for him. And they had his name, and they had his address, and they had everything about him, and and so sure enough, they went to his door and they beat that door until he came. 
And, and, and in this neighborhood, I mean, there's, there's no walls and there's no gated community. This is back in the day in the States. There's a lot of community, uh, gated communities now, but um, back then it was just open. And I could see from my second floor window them over there beating on his door. <laughs> and so he, he, he gave in. And this was Saturday. Well, the next morning, they showed up to pick him up for church. And he had forgotten about it. But they waited on him, and they loaded him up in that church bus and hauled him off. And they came week after week. And, I was just, and my family didn't go to church, but I, I was curious enough. I would be up in the mornings, and I would look out that window, and they would be there, that church bus, picking him up. Out there blowing the horn. And he would get up and go. And I hope it impacted his life. I don't know. But I'm try, but but I but I think what was going on there, and it you know it was, it was a it was a rough trick by a bunch of boys. But eventually he fell away from that, and I believe it was because there was never any relationship. You know, he, me, and a few others. You know, sometimes when you're on the born on the wrong side of the tracks, there's no one inviting you to lunch. There's no one inviting you to youth group. There's no one inviting you to those next steps. There's no interest in relationship. It's more of a, let's check this off. Let's, let's check off the boxes. You know, that we're, we just want to get it done. And see, I want you to walk out of here today knowing that it's all about relationship. You've got to be willing. If I'm going to invite somebody to church, I'm also going to invite them to lunch. I'm also going to take some next steps. I also want to hang out with them a little bit because I don't want them to feel like just a number or just a notch on their belt that I'm not concerned about them. And so often in either one of these addition models, we can get where we're, we're so focused on the numbers that we forget all about relationship. And I'm encouraging you access church as you look at this and as you evaluate your own discipleship making activities, where are you on this? And are you thinking about numbers or are you thinking about relationship? Who can I get to know? Who can I be a friend to? Who can I love on in the name of Jesus? Who has God put in my path that, that gives me an opportunity to share the gospel? You see, this is all math. And it could be that you're just not a math person. That's why I've got a third funnel. And this funnel is empty. Because it could be that, yeah, you're not, you're not here and you're not doing this, but you're not doing this either. This is your funnel. And as we start a new year, I'm encouraging you, if you fit more in this funnel, you figure out how you might get involved in some math. Inviter. I used to be, like back when I, this would have intimidated me too much. I probably could have, but honestly it intimidated me. But I was an inviter. Paula was a great inviter, still is. Because she'll ask people, do you have a home church? Well, people were taken back by that. Well, everybody wants to have one. And many times they'd say, well, no, I don't, but I, I'd, I'd like to, where's yours? And so we would have these invite cards. And we would give people, here's how you get here, here's the time, love to see you, take you to lunch, invite. It's addition, but it's something. Someone invited a lady yesterday. She came to faith in Christ yesterday. It's discipleship making activities. Yeah, I mean, this would be awesome, but it's still something. But let's don't, let's don't be the empty funnel. Let's don't be the nothing. Around here, let me back. Uh, this is important. <laughs> back in 2001, I'm running out of time. Bear with me. I'm going to talk fast. But in 2001, Billy Graham, he came to Louisville, Kentucky, and Paul and I were pastoring in Louisville, Kentucky. And six months before Billy showed up, he sent 
an advanced team, and they reached out to every Christian pastor they could find in the, in the greater Louisville area, and they gathered us all together in a room probably about like this. And in that room, they, they shared a devotional that I've kept for these 22 years, illustrating the power of invitation. And they gave the example from John chapter 1, verse 40 and 42 of disciples, early disciples, and they don't know what to say. They don't know have all the answers, but they know where the presence of God is. They know where Jesus is. And so they invite, they said, we found the Messiah. You've got to come. You've got to come and experience the presence and experience his teaching. And sometimes that may be you. If you're here today and your funnel is an empty funnel, Perhaps the next step is that you, you just say, you know what, I don't know a whole lot, but I know that surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, as Peyton sang. And I want to get you into the presence of God so that you do hear a message, and you do hear truth, and you do have the opportunity to connect with others, but it's moving from an empty funnel into something that could lead to something. Because you love people. Because you have what everybody needs. You have, you have access and you have the knowledge of, uh, of a fountain that never runs dry. <laughs> the only thing that will satisfy, and we live in the day of a perverse generation where uh, there are so many chasing every other thing and you begin to speak to someone else that God has placed in your life to say, I have found Jesus. Come, come with me. Join me for lunch. Let's continue the conversation. But it's so important. It's, it's eternal consequences. And we can't be quiet. That we've got to speak and we've got to share. Guys, around here, you've heard us talk about for five and a half years phrases like circles are better than rows. You've heard us say, don't do life alone. You've heard us say, gather together. We support groups of all sizes, from one, two, or three to uh, these larger gatherings, youth and young adults and men and women and also home groups. We're supporting all of that because it's biblical. It's not my opinion, but I look at Scripture, that's what I see. We can't dismiss it and say, well, we need to dump everything else and only do this. I've benefited from both. But I, as, a, as someone who wanted to become a disciple maker, I sought to be discipled. You didn't have to go begging me to, to join a discipleship group. I wanted to be discipled. And I've been surveying people for the last two years, and I was just asking out of curiosity, how did you get discipled? How did you become mature in the faith to where you could share the gospel and where you could serve? And that you get a variety of answers. For some people, it was more like this. Somebody just set them down and poured into their life with the plan and the purpose and the intentionality that you're going to go and do the same. And mine wasn't exactly like that. I'm, I'm not as structured. For people who are very structured, man, they, they may see it differently. But I was more in this. And it worked for my personality. I'm a bit chaotic my week that I just described for you is like my every week. It's chaos. But throughout the chaos, I'm trying to navigate this natural world in a supernatural way. To be led by the Holy Spirit. Not just filled with the Holy Spirit for my own benefit, but so that I might be led into conversations and led into opportunities to pray and to be part of a disciple-making process. I want to tell you too, discipleship, guys, it begins at home. I've been blessed to have six children to raise. Not by myself, Paula too. But you hear us, every time we, every time we dedicate children, and we're about to do that again, I share usually a quote from Andy Stanley that says, your greatest contribution, we have that slide, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. You might want to note that or write that down, take a picture. Because it, 
we've taken that very seriously as parents who could not have children at first. And then to have children, understanding this piece right here, that I, I don't need my ego in the way. I don't need to be satisfied in something else. But I take very seriously this idea, this concept, that perhaps God has entrusted to me six children who may do incredible things beyond what Paul and I may do. And I don't need my ego stroked. We're okay. We're excited. And here I sit today, my two oldest daughters are, are full-time in ministry here in Guatemala. I've got one graduate from college in a couple of months. And his head is on straight, and he's thinking of how he can impact the world around him. I've got three more at home. And so it matters, and it is intentional, and it is strategic to think about first, these are the children that God has entrusted to us to steward and have responsibility for their lives and for their impact on the kingdom of God. And so we will strategically and intentionally Say no to some other things because it is so important that they're in an environment where there are discipleship-making activities. Um, see, we're on green 2.0. And green 1.0, uh, we're, we're excited about how that came out. And here we are in the, the second opportunity. And yeah, we're tired sometimes. But I tell you, we have said no to some sports stuff because strategically and intentionally, they needed to be somewhere else. They needed to be in an environment where there was disciple-making activities. And sometimes I know there's a battle between parents and children, and no one wants to disappoint, and you want to be their friends. But I'm telling you, your parent first and your responsibility first is to consider and to pray, God, perhaps you're doing something in my children's life, and it's going to be mind-blowing for the kingdom of God. It's your responsibility. It's your captive audience. They're there with you. Then beyond that, then I have, I have friends, I have family, I have people. Uh, some, of, some say uh, spiritual father to, that they are, that I am to them. And I think what that means is that you see something in my life that you feel like that you want in your life. And so that's my opportunity to have disciple-making activities to influence your life, to help you grow and mature in your faith. Amen. That's been my story. It's been my way. Let me give you another. Let me, let me, this was from Jenny Allen. Let me show you this, this target circle thing. Jenny Allen shared this recently, and I talking about, uh, like, we have a lot of acquaintances, you know, and she's say, saying, I think that you may have, like, 50 acquaintances, people that you know, and you see them occasionally, and you share a meal together or coffee, 50 people, and so we're not talking about social media here, we're talking about people who actually know you, you know them, you see them occasionally. Then there's 10 to 30 in your village, maybe that's, maybe that's uh, a, a a Grupo Grande that you're a part of, or it's your neighborhood. You know some people. It's your school, your workplace. And then you got your inner circle that's two to five people. That that's kind of your bandwidth. That's, that is the number of people that are really going to know you. That's the short one that you're going to call at two o'clock in the morning and say, hey, can you come watch my kids? I've got to go take care of my mother-in-law. They just fell. And, and so you've got a few people in that circle but at the center of that, and she says God, and I'm going to say Jesus Christ, because a lot of people have put God in the circle, but I'm, I'm going to define that you're in the presence of God in connection and fellowship with him through relationship with Jesus Christ. And from that point is where you yourself get filled. Because hear me, you have nothing to give if you are not filled with the presence of God. You, do, you, you will get burned out in a, in a quick minute if you're trying to give out of yourself just because you're a, a nice and a kind person and you just love to serve and do social justice, well, tell you what, that will not last because uh, you, will, you will snap and you will get burned out and you will get tired. But if you will spend time in the presence of God first, that that will be the place where you are filled. 
and that will impact how you lead your home. You, you'll lead your personal life first, and then it will be your marriage. And while we're talking about marriage, guys, single folks, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time flirting with someone who, who does not share spiritual values with you. God is bigger than that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not settle for junk. Thank you. It's true. Goodness, young people, don't mess up. You want to be married once, and you want to be with the right person, a man or woman who's hungry for the things of God. That's the marriage you want. That's the marriage that will, it is sustainable. Because life is hard. Thank you. It's true. It's true. But here's where you need, you, you need God. You need that presence in your life. But then there's that circle where you've got to share, you know what, I'm having a rough week. Or, or my job's in jeopardy. I'm not sure what to do. I'm at a crossroads. Or I've got, just got a diagnosis. I've got a health crisis. You see, it's in that circle of two to five people that you should be able to share and say, folks, pray for me. And some of you do not have that. You're, you're messaging your friend in Colorado. We can do better. You can have a circle that will, can reach out and touch you and lay hands on you. But this, this was a great illustration, I think. See, Jesus, just as we shared, he had a crowd, he had 12 disciples, he had an inner circle, Peter, James, and John. They've been with him the longest. They saw him at his best, saw him at his most difficult. Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, who is, who is your life, appears, then you also will, will appear with him in glory. Christ, who is your life. Meaning, he is not just this transaction event that I had that I gave my life to Christ. Now I'm just hanging out with this wonderful place and eating the tacos. No, it's not just a transaction, but it's, it, Christ is my everything. He is my life. Louis Giglio, I saw just last week, pastor and author Louis Giglio, he said, I desire to navigate the natural world with a supernatural mindset. That is what I've described for you today. I had no idea my mother-in-law was going to break her nose. It changed my week, <laughs> changed her week. But we're navigating a natural world with a supernatural mindset. That should be what we're thinking as an incredible thought. Because as children of God, as, as men and women who are filled with the Holy Spirit, this should be how we're navigating life. Not in our own natural mindset, not in our flesh, but this is how we'll navigate traffic this week. This is how you'll get to and from appointments. This is how you'll discern what is going on in your life and what is priority. Are you going to fly with Jason? Are you going to finish that tennis lesson? Are you going to go to that, that workout place? Are you going to guide your children? How is it, in view of relationship, that you're going to navigate a natural world with a supernatural mindset? That's what it should look like for the child of God. The one who Christ is everything. Christ is my life. It means we've still got bills to pay. It means you still want to go on a vacation somewhere. It means you still got to go to the dentist this week. And, and you, you want to accomplish all these things, but you'll navigate it, a natural world, with this mindset. It's a natural rhythm of life. And that's where... When it comes to discipleship, guys, I'm going to embrace every size group. I love it. I encourage it. I want you to be a part of discipling one person, two or three, that you can see them. You can disciple with them with the purpose that they're going to go and do the same. But I also understand that you get beat up by life. I do too. And I need to be present at the cave. It helps me. I need to be a part of small group environments, because it helps me in my walk. I need to have two to five people that I can share life with. But we don't have to overcomplicate it. I don't see anything here in Acts 2 that looks overly complicated. It's people doing life together in a persecuted environment. 
Matthew 5, 6 tells us, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I've been researching and asking questions, and I'll close with this. Is that I've wondered, because I didn't know completely, I've heard a little bit, but I've, I've wondered, what, what has, the, uh, has the Christian history of Guatemala been like? What is the... What, what has it been like to win people to Christ and see them discipled, see churches planted and all these things? And I've, uh, I, I've seen the summary of that. I've seen move of God that has done incredible things to bring people to faith in Christ. Many of you are in this room, you've experienced that. You're the fruit, the product of discipleship. Maybe one-on-one or a cell group or in your home. You've been a part of something like that. And also, just in a general summary, while there's been many great things that God has done in Guatemala, there's been oftentimes man getting in the way, and greed getting in the way, and things getting off track, and manipulation happening, and, 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 and bad things. And here we are in an environment, as I said before, that is not necessarily persecuted, but as I look at the history of Guatemala, an event happened in 1976, a great earthquake. And next week is the anniversary of that. Do we have that photo for me? This is just one photo. But at 3.01 in the morning, an earthquake that lasted 39 seconds shook this place. And in the aftermath, there were like 23,000 fatalities. And 76,000 injured. And houses in rubble. And all of a sudden, a Christian community even, all of a sudden realizing that life is very fragile. And all that I maybe sunk my life into, my home, is gone. And maybe I still have my life. And from that, that it stirred people to all of a sudden have an urgency because, see, when life is difficult and life is persecuted, that perhaps that is what has been missing from the discipleship piece. I spoke with one this week, and he said that the aftermath of this earthquake, that his daily commute on a bus is that there was an empty seat beside him, and that was an opportunity then to pray and an opportunity to share the gospel with whoever sat in that seat. You did not have to tell or teach or, or twist the arm or provide tacos for someone to understand, I have the key to eternal life. I have a message that everyone needs to hear. Who will God place in my path today that I can share the gospel, share faith, evangelize, and then point them and lead them in a path of discipleship. You see, that's the aftermath of a tragic event, a 7.5 magnitude earthquake that shook this nation. It made me wonder this week in light of discipleship, can we seek first the kingdom of God? Can we hunger and thirst without, per without persecution or tragedy? I would hope so. But I can't answer that question for you. Can you, in spite of what goes on around you, I mean, do, does someone have to twist your arm? Does someone have to, do you have to feel guilty to be able to share your faith and be involved in discipleship making activities? Does it take persecution for the government to step in and say, you can't meet anymore? They've done that. Does it take tragedy, an earthquake? Or can you and I simply hear the Word of God and search our hearts and search our minds and examine our activities and think, have I been hungering and thirsting? Have I done all I can do to share faith and to be a man or woman of prayer, to be a, a person, a disciple who is a disciple a disciple maker. I want to pray over us today. 
in light of that question. Because here's what I think, and this will be where I pick up again in my next opportunity, is that I believe God wants to do something again right here in Guatemala. And it could begin right here in this room by a people, by a remnant who draw near to God and find that He is indeed drawn near to us. That we're a people of prayer, not just for 21 days of prayer and fasting, but it is our lifestyle. That we are hungering and thirsting for a God who's promised that we will be filled. Brother, sister, new person in the room, would you examine where you are today? Let us pray together and let us be the people of God who meet in every size circle possible, hungering and thirsting for the living God, the one who is more than able. Amen. And amen. Lord, today as we sing, may our hearts align with the songs that we sing. Not just words on a screen, but there's heart alignment with a God who has been faithful, a God who is more than enough, a God who has blessed us abundantly, a God who still speaks truth, a God who has not changed, a Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Lord, today as we search our our hearts and our lives across this room today, may you find a people that are hungry and thirsty, that will do an honest evaluation and be open to hear from God today, to hear from the Holy Spirit. What are my next steps? Do I have an empty funnel? Am I willing to participate in some activity or maybe the core issue today is, God, we're just not walking with you. We're just not where we should be. That core relationship is not there. And we're tired. We're burned out. We're frustrated, hurting, angry, lonely, tired, all those things. And God, today, would you pour out by your spirit. May you pour out. May grace like rain fall over this place today. Let it rain, Lord. Let it rain over the tired, the, the hungry, the, the wounded. And may we find freedom in the house of the Lord today. Joy be restored. A hunger and a passion to share truth, to share faith, to be disciple makers. God, we've been at it too long. Realign our priorities. Maybe even in our house, we've got moms and dads, and we just, we've wanted to be on stage, we wanted to be in the limelight, and we've wanted to have a microphone, and God, we've reminded us today, be thankful for those three or four children. Be thankful for that one that you've given me to pour my life into. Or you look around, and you see your friends, and you see your family, and you are the voice. You are the one that God has placed to speak truth into their lives. God, raise up warriors. We wait upon you, the Lord our God. And may you pour out your spirit upon this place today. In Jesus' name.